And a good Saturday morning to you. Happy 4th of July. It's 745 on a Saturday. That means it's time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Happy 4th, Jack. Thank you, Denny, and the very same to you. In fact, today I thought we would talk about kind of a potpourri of things, some wines for hot weather, and also to salute our country on the 4th of July for its role in the wine affairs of the entire world. You know, Thomas Jefferson hoped someday that this country would produce some wines, and it just didn't happen in his lifetime, unfortunately. Uh, But today, every one of the 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii, uh, have bonded wineries on them. Uh, so every state, you know, not just the ones we're familiar with, California, Oregon, Washington, Ohio, Michigan, Texas, but every single one of the 50 states have wineries in them, which is a remarkable thing unto itself. Also, America is the number one consumer of wine in the world. Over 350 million gallons a year are consumed in this country. That's one gallon for every man, woman, and child. And I can remember when the per capita consumption in this country was in ounces, and now it's a gallon. So it's remarkable. Also, besides being the number one consumer, we're the number one place for research and development on wine. In fact, the number one school for uh, wine for everybody all over the globe is the University of California at Davis. Everybody wants and aspires to go there to send their children there to learn about wine because that's where all the latest information for the entire world of wine is coming from uh, Davis at California. And don't forget, we produce wines on a par with wines from all over the world, whatever country. You know, naturally there's some great wines produced in Spain and Italy and France and Germany, etc. But the United States produces wines from those areas, from those same grape types, that rival all of them. It's really remarkable. We've also become, in this time, a big exporter of wine. Uh, In fact, uh, we're larger than Australia in exporting to the Far East. Uh, And we... The exports into England and France and Germany are just remarkable because those countries are really so nationalistic. They prefer to drink their own. But the mere fact that they have American wines in there speaks very highly of the quality of wine. And and that cutting edge, uh, coupled with tradition, we've absorbed the traditions of Europe and other old countries, production of wine, and then we put in that cutting edge of technology, and what it's produced is just remarkable. And this is all in a short window. You know, it was only 40 years ago or so uh, when they had this great Paris taste-off, and lo and behold, against the greatest French wines, American wines won. Well, this was terrific, because it gave uh, food, really, to the winemakers in California to say, hey, we outdid those wines. They always thought they were pretty good, but they suffered kind of an inferiority complex to the great wines of the world. Well, here was an absolute test, and they won. And boy, did that make a difference in production of wine in this country. Because we bested the best, we began to think more positively about our own wine, etc. And we've become a world player. You know, it's very interesting uh, 
most of the varietal grape types from all over the world are grafted onto American rootstock. Why, you might ask? Well, it's simple. About 150 years ago, we exported around the world uh, an insect called phylloxera. It was a time when they were bringing plants in in the mid-1800s. They were bringing plants in from all different parts of the world, and farmers were trying new things. Well, the same thing was happening in wine. They were bringing in cuttings from all over the world, and at the same time, we were sending American cuttings overseas. And the ones we sent overseas absolutely decimated the vineyards of Europe, France, Italy, uh, Spain, Germany. All the vineyards were wiped out, and so they began to try everything, the, the schemes they had, some of them were cockamamie and kind of funny. But what somebody discovered, if you grafted this onto American rootstock, uh, Native American vines, you could grow your vines, <laughs> excuse me, and they do that. And so American rootstocks are used all over the entire world, uh, and you, it doesn't make our wines any better, but it cured the phylloxera epidemic, and we were off to the races. And today, we are a world player. Companies like Constellation and Gallo, and even the Boisset Company, are multinational companies with vineyards. For example, Gallo has vineyards in Italy, Spain, Chile, and Argentina, to say uh, nothing of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Constellation owns some of the biggest wineries in Australia. And the best thing about all of this is we have the best selection of wine in the United States from all those countries, whether we're talking about wines coming from Austria or uh, Georgia, former USSR Georgia, not Georgia, Atlanta. But all of those places, no matter how exotic, you can find wonderful wines in the United States. No country in the world comes even close to our variety uh, on wines that are available for people to drink. So there's a salute to old Thomas Jefferson. Took us a long time, Tom, but we got there. And while we're talking about today's going to be a blistering hot day, I thought I might mention a good hot weather drink, sangria. People kind of tend to overlook sangria. Sangria comes from the Spanish blood, sangri, and it's a, a red wine uh, punch, if you will. And it is very, very popular in Spain. You can't go into a restaurant in Spain where they don't have big pitchers of sangria on a hot day. What is refreshing and delightful. And we've got a couple of sangria recipes that are available when you go to Haskell's online. But I just thought I'd tell you about it. It's a great way, if you still have some old Nouveau Beaujolais that came out back in November, a bottle of Nouveau Beaujolais, about six or eight ounces of club soda. And here's my magic ingredient. You always put a little brandy in sangria. Uh, they usually call for, with a bottle like that, about four ounces. Uh, so you've got uh, a bottle of wine, uh, six or eight ounces of club soda, and four ounces of brandy. I only use two ounces of brandy, and then I put two ounces of triple sec, which is an orange liqueur in there. Mix all that up, and then add your favorite fruit, sliced oranges, sliced lemons, sliced lime, even apples sliced up in there. 
can be absolutely delicious. Mix all those ingredients, pour them in a pitcher with ice, and you're off to the races. And it's a wonderfully refreshing drink uh, to have on a hot day like we're going to have today. Another interesting variation on that is something we started to do about 15 years ago, and that's white sangria. Uh, you take a bottle of in a, and now when you're making these wine punches, you don't want to use a very good bottle of wine. Use something that you like, but it isn't going to break the bank. We usually use Haskell's Maison Blanc, which is a kind of a everyday table wine, very modestly priced. And then we use uh, the club soda. And the key here is with the brandy, I put brandy in it. But I use two ounces of brandy and two ounces of limoncello for four ounces in my white sangria. And then I put sliced peaches, lemons, and mix it all, pour it in a pitcher of ice, and that white sangria is so refreshing and delightful, you'll be absolutely astonished at the uh, your guest's reaction to either one of those sangria. Great recipe, then. If you could, didn't have time to write that down, like I said, my only difference from... Any recipe you can find on sangria is I cut the brandy in half. For the red sangria, I add a little triple sec. And for the white sangria, I add limoncello. Limoncello is a lemon liqueur that was pioneered in Italy. And Italians just love it. And you go into an Italian restaurant, you usually get a free limoncello after dinner. It's a very wonderful expression of lemon juice. And it seems to doll up those sangrias just perfectly. But you know, there's a lot of wonderful wines you can try uh, if you're not up to making a sangria punch on a hot day. You know, Riesling is overlooked just all the time, German Rieslings, and they're really great values, and they have a great history. The wine is terrific. It can be served chilled, and that's another thing. When I said I used this red sangria, I used a Nouveau Beaujolais in there, Regular Beaujolais is a wonderful wine to have on a hot day because I suggest you chill the Beaujolais. Make it almost as cold as you serve white wine, and it's a very refreshing drink. And, and it's served chilled even in its land of birth in France and the Beaujolais region. They do indeed have Beaujolais, and they serve it chilled on a hot day. And it's so refreshing. Uh, so if you're having a barbecue or something, and again, it, it's, we really want to chill inexpensive wines. If you have an inexpensive Chianti, that would be a good red wine to have uh, on a hot day like today is going to be. Or uh, inexpensive uh, Merlot from Chile would be okay as well. But you can put a little, put a not just a little, but a good chill on this wine. You'll be very, very pleased with it. So there's all sorts of wonderful things to do on the 4th of July. When we salute our country, we can absolutely take great pleasure in the fact that we are one of the world's great wine producers, and we produce absolutely great wines. And boy, today is the day to celebrate America, and let's celebrate America's role in the wine industry as well. Absolutely. I took your advice the other day, Jack, uh, during a hot day, uh, uh, made some uh, barbecued uh, baby backs and had a Malbec, and you're right, a perfect match. You know that Malbec, uh, Denny, you you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, In my opinion, was just made to go with it. 
spicy, sweet, hot stuff. It, it's great. And incidentally, all the Haskell stores are open on the 4th of July uh, from 10 o'clock uh, till 7 tonight. And there's a one near you where you can pick up all the ingredients for sangria or a Malbec to go with your ribs or uh, just a bottle of white wine that you're going to have children drink on the deck with your family. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Fairboat. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. Downtown Minneapolis has free parking on Saturday and Sunday. Haskell's in Minnetonka, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, you can always go to Haskell's.com, where you'll find the recipes for that sangria. And don't forget, Haskell's is featuring Ted Farrell's uh, six for $60, six bottles of wine for $60. It's an $81 value for 60 bucks, and it's just terrific. There's a Chardonnay, Prosecco you to have as an aperitif, a white from Bordeaux that's perfect with shellfish. There's a red from Bordeaux that you love with burgers and brats, a good California cab with steak, and, of course, a Gary Bay Malbec, which is perfect with barbecue ribs. That's Haskell's 6 for $60. So I hope you all have a wonderful 4th of July. Thank you very much, Jack, you and your family as well. And let's talk uh, one week from today. Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. All right, thanks so much. Jack Farrell from Haskell's this July 4th, Saturday morning.